You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Back to Just Giants with Grump and the Craggy Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the birthday Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Uh, I was all ready to do my Marilyn Monroe happy birthday, Mr. Grumpiest, but you, I, you yeah, cut my legs out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went it. right up from, Yeah, so um, this episode is a day late. Uh, it will not be a dollar short, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I apologize. We were all set up to record, and then birthday shenanigans that I was not... Uh, accounting for happened in my face last night. So we, we, we got to, everything got all screwed up. So we're a day late. I'm, I apologize for that. And my, uh, my birthday present for you, Grump, is that your New York football giants are fighting for the division. Something you probably never thought I would give you for a birthday gift in 2020 or probably any time this decade. So happy birthday, my Thank man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So after a... um. I would say a pretty exciting Sunday. Uh, it was it was an interesting sure. Sunday. Uh, the entire NFC East collectively, each team has three wins. Um, <laughs> you know, and no, this is not September twentieth either. This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can clown a little bit, right? But you know, in all sure fairness, you know, in all fairness, all all year long, everybody's been calling it the NFC least and to a certain credit they're right right I mean Washington they have a brand new coach they're rebuilding the Giants have a brand new coach they are in the midst of a rebuild probably a step or two ahead of the of the Washington football team Dallas you know you have the injury that you have to a quarterback this is bound to happen Philadelphia you have the injuries you have to the offensive line this is also bound to happen uh, so there is a certain level of incompetence. There's a certain level of rebuilding, and then there's a certain level of just bad luck. There's um, bad luck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, yes, some of these teams are not very good. Some of them are worse. But a, a lot of it. I mean, Dallas. If Dallas doesn't lose Dak Prescott and that defense picks up the way everybody expected the defense to pick up, Mike Nolan's defense. Do you really see them as a shitty team? Because I, I don't. I think that they I, run away with this division. Oh, I think, you know, most of the, the media experts had them not only winning the division, but being a Super Bowl contender this year. Exactly. So the, I mean, the, they, the clowning the biggest, is a little silly. Well, it's silly, but, you know, it's that's what it is, what it is. But, you know, but what I always say, you know, what's past is prologue. It doesn't matter what happened in September or October. We are now in week 12. We have three teams fighting for a division title. And if you think that, you know, ha-ha, you know, stupid, doesn't, it, it's useless or meaningless or anything – Ask some of these other teams that uh, are on the outside looking in to be in the playoffs. Is it fair? No, but that's life. And well, we have been. Yeah, no, you're, you're, we're fortunate. Yeah, I will say. And, and, and the say other, what, the other thing is the NFC East. The entire NFC East. When you look at the teams that they've played, they've played some tough contenders. I mean, we talk so highly of of Pittsburgh and and, and Arizona and Seattle. And Tampa Bay, you can't on one hand talk about how great they are, and then also talk about how bad the NFC East is when they had to play those teams. I mean, if those teams truly are as great as you say, then of course these teams that are middle of the road are going to lose. The other thing too, Grump, is that all four of these teams I would say are better than they were six weeks ago. I mean, if you had the Week Twelve um, Redskins play the Week. Four Redskins, or the Week Twelve Cowboys play the Week Three Cowboys, or you know the Week Twelve Giants playing Week One Giants. I think this week's teams beats all of those teams. Well, They're all getting. Don't better. you think that usually happens in a, in a year though? I guess not mm, always. I mean, no, I think no. in most cases. That's why. That's why. No, that's why coaches get fired. You know, that's, that's why. That's you know, true. teams. You know, it, not for collectively the division getting better, and also as bad as the division was. I mean, there's a little bit of mean regression how these teams are. To a certain are. extent, I think Washington is playing its best quarterback now, and it wasn't. Um, That's true. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, I just think that you know, I think Dallas's defense is stabilizing now. It, 
I mean, the biggest problem Dallas had before Dak got hurt is their defense, which is god awful. They just were not picking up Nolan's defense. They were, you know, again, when I was out there for the eight days or so out in Arlington, listening to the fan every day, their big thing was that this is the worst defensive talent this team has ever had since 1960. I mean, that's saying something. Um, but, you know, they're playing better now. It's not a sieve anymore. I mean, Philly's getting healthier. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is still all over the place. You don't know what you're getting from throw to throw from him. But, you know, they seem like they are starting to get, you know, their act together more. And so I think the entire division is starting to trend upward in the level of play. Does that mean any of them are Super Bowl teams? No. Or, you know, are any of them legitimate playoff teams? Probably not. But it's not the complete clown show we were watching in early October. Yeah. And, and, you know, just going, well, I I think to a certain extent, Philadelphia is kind of a clown show now. I think they are now sputtering. They, Um, yeah. uh, And and again, this is somewhat bad luck. I mean, every team goes through usually the same amount of injuries. It's just bad luck when they all happen at one position group, right? I mean, there's only so many guys you can pick up off the street. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Carson Wentz, but... He's taking a huge amount of blame while dealing with running for his life and doing his best to just make a play out of nothing. And that's the, and that's what he is. That's a, he's that type of quarterback who will make try to make plays. He's sort of a little bit like a Brett Favre type, where you know he will extend a play until him. the until the echo of the whistle. And for every how do you pull that out of his ass? How do you extend the the drive or extend the uh, the play? You're going to be you know banging your head against why do you do that? But that's that's him. Yeah, and. and- I think at this point, Philadelphia's biggest problem that they can control is bad coaching. Um, And and I'm not, it comes down to right what we're talking about. At a certain point, when you have to deal with this many injuries, you kind of have to adjust what you're doing. And they're not. This is the same offense they were going to run, you know, pre any injuries. And that's kind of been their problem. And, you know, Sunday they fell to Cleveland. The score was twenty two seventeen, but this th- I, I was only half watching by the third quarter. They were getting beat up so yeah. bad. Yeah. I mean, we we have different opinions about Mike McCarthy, uh, but I think it's safe to say that the and I've said this for you know even when the Giants had bad coaches, I have never been a Doug Peterson fan. I think he's the worst coach in the division. And uh, I yeah, think I, that, I would agree with that. And I think right now, I think the other three coach McCarthy, you know. Say what you will about him. He's still, I would say, at least, at, let's, let's be generous and say at least in the upper 16 coaches in the league, right? Be generous. Joe Judge, we're going to talk about Joe Judge in a little bit. We, we discussed the year to date, but he has, he's proving himself to be a leader and he's, he's forging his own identity on this team. And, you know, the, the, uh, the, the initial signs are encouraging about him. You know, Ron Rivera has a track record in this league for Washington. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a division with some good coaches. And, you know, Doug Peterson, he can hang that Super Bowl trophy, you know, in his office all he wants. But, you know, that in a dime gives you 10 cents going forward. And, you know, these other teams in the division, as they're getting, you know, know, all these teams are going to have bad records, going to have good draft picks this year. They're going to get, you know, more and more talent coming. Hopefully, you know they all have better, you know, general managers. They're gonna they're gonna pass them by Philly. Like their reign of being the best team in this, in this division is over. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how long they stick with a guy like Doug Peterson going forward. And to say, you know, how long is the thank you for the Super Bowl kind of hangover stay on this team, or do they move forward? Because every, in my opinion, every year they keep him is they're gonna fall further and further behind. I would agree with that. Um, it's it's interesting listening to Philly. Uh, I don't really listen to radio, but like Philly podcasters and, and um, content creators who, who follow the Eagles and stuff like that, what their opinion is, you know, it, and and how quickly it changes too. Um, you know, there is there is little room for excuses, but you know, a week ago there was the sentiment that I didn't agree with was like, guys, we just lost to the Giants. You know, as if as if they didn't almost lose to us a couple weeks before. But, um, you know, that was sort of a, a wake-up call of, like, something's wrong here kind of thing. Like, not like a fluky, we just lost them, but, like, what is going on? And then... How, how do we lose to this team? Yeah, and, 
And now the 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 beatdown against Cleveland. I mean, really, like th- that game was pretty much over by the third quarter. Um, I mean, they are they are in full like the GM hasn't done anything right for the last couple of years. Doug Peterson, I'm not sure what he's doing. Jim Schwartz, I don't know what's up with his defense. You know, they are fully reeling, trying to figure out what went wrong. And I'm wondering what the front office is like there because. Again, they should have been running away with this division, and I get that you get bad luck with with some injuries, but even still, um, their week one loss to Washington was embarrassing. It knocked a lot of people out of survivor pools. Yeah, I mean that was one of those type of week one games where you know what the hell just happened here? I got to reevaluate everything type of thing, and they've real never really recovered from that, and we get with the injuries and stuff, but. Hey, you know, this is still 2020 and I am still giving every NFL team, every college team incredible benefit of the doubt for not having an offseason. And I get it that Philly had, you know, the coaching staff in place from the previous year and the, and the quarterback in place in the previous year. But, you know, we, we are just seeing it time and time again, more so in the college game than the pro game, but not having an offseason to prepare to hone in on the fundamentals, you know, to get timing down, all these things, you can't recover in, during the season, that time you missed. And I think a lot of these uh, general managers, ownership groups are going to be, you know, pretty sympathetic to what happens this year and, 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 and give a longer rope. And also because a lot of these teams lost a lot of revenue. You know, these teams in the Northeast, Giants, Jets, you know, uh, Nobody in the stands. That's you can't just fire a coach and bring someone else in and and eat that money you have to pay. I mean, you're kind of you're kind of stuck with it this year. So I, I think you're going to see benefit of the doubt more in some of these coaches. Now, if you're on the right side of the ledger, if you have like a new coach or like a Joe Judge and you're feeling pretty good, you're lucky. If you're someone where you know, do we whack this guy or not? You know, and a decision's pushed off another year, it could set your team back you know, a year or two after. So you know, that's just, that's 2020. And there's a lot, lot more things to consider than just what happened on the field. The last game you saw. Yeah. And on the flip side, you know, like you said, Dallas is trending a little bit upward. They, they, they've seemed to gather themselves. They beat a decent team in Minnesota, Minnesota, you know, I don't want to say they're a good team. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to say Kirk cousins is a good quarterback. I think he's fine. Uh, you know, I think Mike Zimmer is a good coach, but this team for the last couple of years has slowed down significantly. Um, I just, I just don't trust Kirk Cousins. I never have, and they knocked, they knocked me out of my survivor pool this week. I, you know, I never made it to week eleven before. You know, I, I took Minnesota, and sure enough, you know, you could see it, you could see it before the end of the first half where they just kept converting third downs on that final drive. It's like Minnesota can't. It, it, Dallas is going to make the big play every time, every time they get a chance. And uh, sure enough. So, yeah, I mean, okay, we're not saying they've righted their ship and they're a Super Bowl team now, but they have the, I think the free fall for Dallas and obviously having a, an NFL quarterback starts, but it, it seems like the defense is starting to get their ship straight a little bit too. And and Washington also, you know, as we were saying, they're, they're kind of – I think they're finally playing their best quarterback it's a bit of a risk playing Alex Smith for sure, but you know, I don't see what he's like in practice. So, you know, I, I going into the year, I'm not surprised that he didn't start, you know, whatever, but Kyle Allen, you know, you can't tell me that Kyle Allen is better than Dwayne Haskins and uh, Alex Smith. So, you know, they're finally figuring shit out. They, they demolished Cincinnati uh, 20 to nine, but you know, they were in control of that game a little bit, um, before the, I, I don't want to say the unthinkable or, or maybe just lightning from the FedEx field struck uh, Joe Burrow? You know, I, I you say Washington has got, the, they're starting to figure their shit out, but to me, they, they're just a rudderless ship. I mean, to me, until you know what you have from Dwayne Haskins, they are wasting time. And well, I, I mean, in terms and, of what and, and, you're doing this year, not, not the grand yeah, scheme of things. And, yeah. but, but then again, it's like a, so what? I mean, okay, so if Alex Smith plays and he gets you an extra two wins this year, what is that getting you? You're, you're wasting time. You know, you're wasting time on on 
seeing what you have in a quarterback, do you, do you need to go back into the, into the draft pool? Unless, you know, the decisions are even made from up high that we are going to, you know, we are going to redraft a quarterback in, in this draft. And, but if they are, they should be tanking. And then Kyle Allen should be playing. Or Dwayne Haskins should be playing there if they feel that he's that incompetent and showcase him. I mean, they just I, – I, I, I'm just thankful that they have the rudderless ownership and general management and just whoever's organizing that team because it's just – it's an advantage for the Giants because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they want to do. And they're just wasting time, and it's helping the rest of us out in the division because of it. Well, long term, long term, I'm 100% agree, gonna agree with you. I don't know how I couldn't. Um, but in terms of this year, if Alex Smith gets you two more wins, that absolutely puts them in the mix for winning the division. Now, you could be saying whatever you want about, you know, doesn't that just set them back for rebuilding or whatever? You're probably right. Um, but th- I don't know that that really matters. Uh, you know, getting a playoff berth is, is something that is important. All the time. It's important. I mean, right? But until this week, that was not the case. When 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 Alex Smith started to play again, you know they they were about to lose to us again, right? They were they were out of it. They had one win. They they, they, they there was no well maybe we can win this type of thing. I mean That's they true, they, yeah. they they already had their plan in place that they are going into the market for another quarterback. They already decided. Dwayne Haskins is done and they're not going to bother with him. So this is kind of, you know, everything is falling around their feet. They're getting this opportunity to kind of sneak back into the race. And okay, now you have Alex Smith, but. Do we think that's wild that they're just done with Dwayne Haskins? It, it, it just, it just reeks of the dysfunction of this team from the very beginning. It just, well, remember last year, remember why did Jay Gruden basically get fired? Um, well, it seemed to be that Dwayne Haskins was a uh, Daniel Snyder pick. It didn't look like there were reports. I don't want to know. I, I don't care how accurate the reports are. I'm not really that interested. But my understanding is that there were rumblings that Jay Gruden didn't ever really want him. He didn't right. think he was ready once it was thrown on him. It seemed like Snyder was kind of like, you're going to play him. And he's like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to play him and I'll play him right the fuck now. And just That's threw exa- him in and, and everything fell apart. So it seemed like a massive disconnect between exactly. front office that, and coaching. That's, our, that's so. our whole point is that, yeah, it was that giant game. That one that was at the Meadowlands last year where he said, okay, fine. You play him. Go ahead. We'll, we'll see what happens. And if you remember, that wasn't exactly a – a game management game plan that game. They had him throwing all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, we had a field day, our secondary in that game. So it was one of those things like, okay, asshole, if you don't like it, fire me. I'll do what you want, but you're, you know, take the consequences from it. So from day one of, and that's, but that's been the Redskins for, for 25 years though. I mean, there's nothing changing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they, you know, how many coaches did they go through? Gruden actually hung around for quite a while, but they, I think they he was doing it. a pretty decent job. I mean, when he had Alex Smith going uh, two years ago, I mean, they were they were not just going to win the division; they were going to actually make some noise in the playoffs. I think. I mean, they were humming on offense, and they've had bad luck with quarterbacks too. I mean, Robert Griffin doesn't get hurt. You know, who knows how the? You know, he could have been the face of the franchise for a decade. You know, he could have been. You know, with any of these guys. Uh, you know, uh, Hopkins or uh, what's his name is now, but you know, it's that's the way it goes. I mean, maybe having a fucking field where it doesn't just eat up quarterbacks, yeah, uh, you know, have, that, have that, a better turf where you, where you play, yeah, that that just that really sucks for Joe Burrow, who's having a great rookie season, you know, with, with very little in terms of talent around him. Uh, it looks like he's a match made in heaven for the offense that they're trying to do. He's definitely what we thought he was going to be coming out of college, which is not always, you know, even if you're a consensus overall first-round pick, it's not always a slam dunk. And, you know, of course, this is still not evidence that it's a slam dunk, 10, 11 games, whatever. Um, hey, but all, even, all you millennials out there, you know, this era of quarterbacks coming in as rookies and doing what guys like Burrow do and, you know, this whole uh, what Patrick Mahomes is doing, I mean – Again, I'm old. I mean, I remember when back when the when the Buccaneers drafted Vinny Testaverde, and he didn't get a lick of the field the first year. Number one overall pick. 
they, you know, they be damned if they're going to be two and fourteen again. It doesn't matter. He's going to sit. He's going to watch. He's going to learn. He's going to practice and prepare. They'll put him in when they're ready to do it. Now, I mean, it's you know they are cutting people you know on draft night to have him. Okay, you're the starter. You're you're, you're ready to go. You know, is your offensive line shitty? Doesn't matter. Did I you know? Are we going to fire the coach after we draft? Doesn't matter. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. So. This is all new, and what these quarterbacks are doing now—it's a different, different game. You know, it's a lot easier. It's geared more towards the passing game. Uh, yeah, the, the helmets, the radios, and the helmets they didn't have back when makes it easier as well. So, but still, it, it's it's it, it's fascinating to see how these quarterbacks can come right in and do what they're doing. Yeah. So, so where the Giants are sitting right now, obviously everybody has three wins. Philadelphia is in first place because they have the tie. Um, <laughs> right now, Philadelphia probably has the toughest stretch of schedule right now. I mean, they have uh, home with Seattle, at Green Bay, home against New Orleans, at Arizona. That right there, that could easily be four losses. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a win there. Yeah. I mean, that's, and then no. at Dallas, and then with Washington, they might win both of those games, puts them at five wins. You know, five, <clears> ten, and one. I mean, that could win a division – if it wins a division, it's be- going to be because of the tie, I think. Um, it could it could have been last in the division, too. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Dallas um, has a legitimate shot. The way I see this breaking down, just at a glance, week 11, not really analyzing game by game, I think that this division looks like it's coming down to week 17, Dallas at the New York Giants. Because Washington, like you said, I, I don't really know... You know, the riding on Alex Smith already is asking for trouble. I mean, I, I think he's the best quarterback. I also think it's just just watching him out there makes me fucking nervous. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they have a tough stretch too. They're, they're, they're at Dallas on Thursday for Thanksgiving, but then they have at Pittsburgh, at San Francisco, home against Seattle, home against Carolina, at Philadelphia. You know, that Pittsburgh and San Francisco, that's, that's two losses right there. Seattle's probably another one that already puts them – at um at at ten losses, so then you know they would have to sweep out those other three to even be in contention at six and ten. And again, if they wind up with the same record as the Giants, that head to head, those two wins for the Giants right there, they are out. They are not winning the division if they tie with mm-hmm. the Giants. So yeah, uh, even if they do win those other three games. With Dallas playing Washington, Baltimore, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and then the Giants, you know, I I I think that Dallas losing Baltimore, San Francisco, and then that Week 17 game against the Giants is really where it comes down to. The Giants have Cincinnati, Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore. If the, it comes down to three wins, all of these teams—the Giants, Washington, and, and Dallas—if they all win three more times and lose the other four or whatever, they all end up tying. The Giants have the tiebreaker on all of them due to head-to-head. They split with Dallas, and then it becomes conference wins, and they will win that one. Yeah, I mean, it comes it comes down to you've got to win those – you've got to win your division games first. Those games count like three times. They're, they're that important. Uh, you know, here's the thing. It's – but. keep in mind, though, none of these teams are good enough to say, oh, well, this they'll win, win this one. Yeah, I agree. Right. No, I mean – they're probably going to be underdog all four teams every game the rest of the way unless they're playing each other. They're probably all going to be underdogs. So that's actually funny. So I have I have all this written down so that I can reference it without looking at the internet or, or whatever. But my note to all of this is to remember that I know it's a close division. I know that the Giants are starting to play well. I know that Cincinnati's quarterback just got hurt. I know all of this. I'm not I'm not dense, but the important thing to remember is that the only way into the playoffs, no matter your division, no matter your team, no matter your schedule, the only way into the playoffs is winning games. They are still in this position of controlling their own destiny. They are not in a mathematical, this team has to lose in order for us to get in. No. If they, the Giants can win and get in. Period. Full stop. So sure, watch the division, You know, do some fun exercises if this team loses and then if this happens, sure, fine. The end of the day is the Giants need to continue winning. They have won three fucking games this year. Nothing is a <laughs> gimme. Nothing is a, nothing can be counted on. 
you know. And I'll take I'll take it a step further. Yes. Worry about this week first. Don't yeah, think 100%. about well. Okay, you know, there's in, in two weeks they're playing this. You know, this quarterback got hurt. He might be ready for week 15. But worry about this game. Worry about Sunday. Worry about Cincinnati. You know, don't even worry. Don't even think past no Joe Burrow. Think this team. We just have to win this game. There's don't worry about style points. Don't worry about all the stuff we've been harping on for the last year. It's just win. Win this week. We'll talk. We'll all get together Monday morning in, in your your pod feed, and we'll talk about how great it was, and we'll worry about next week, next week. But you're right. Just win. Just win. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have to worry about the division if you win. It just is what it is. So, you know, we'll get we'll have we'll have a uh, Friday morning episode for you to to roll out of bed all full of turkey and stuffing. Um, and maybe do some online shopping, I suppose. If you if you're living in an area where you can go out and go shopping, you know, maybe you're doing that. I don't know. But either way, you'll have an episode to listen to that's all about the Cincinnati game and and how what they need to do to win and watch out for the trap game because Joe Burrow and whatever. All that will be covered. But it's important now, I guess, to go through some some things that shifted since our last episode. You know, sure. Graham Gano, we we covered. Congratulations! You signed a contract. He had a great game. I gave him a star. Uh, special teams in general, you gave a star. Um, immediately tested positive for COVID. Like like that night while we were recording, we didn't even get it on the episode. Um, and and that's awful. Uh, he is. I don't think there's really a possible pathway for him to play. Now, thankfully, Joe Judge has thought about this going into the year. I mean, right off the bat, he hired a dual punter kicker in Ryan Santoso and he has been on the practice squad as far as I remember protected on that practice squad every single week so Ryan Santoso is going to handle the kicking duties in his stead you know he was a range specialist I think you know in his kicking duties whatever again like I said we'll go over what needs to happen in the Cincinnati game but uh, you know this is this is an unfortunate thing that was, you know, things are going to happen gonna, this year. It's going to happen. I mean, but, that's something that all 32 teams have to worry about, and it, and it happens. So, And, you yeah. know, we, we should just be thankful that Joe Judge, for, for whatever we think about everything else, had the foresight to have somebody ready, no matter whether it was Riley Dixon or Graham Gano or both. Let's also be thankful that it happened last week. There was a week uh, of rest. Sure. Oh, I mean, it was during a, a, during a bye week. Yeah. yeah. This week is all about giving thanks. So, um, But for what it's worth, as far as I understand today, uh, long snapper Casey Kreider and punter Riley Dixon were, in fact, quarantined due to close contact with Grand Gano, and I believe that they are okay to practice. They have passed whatever testing protocol because they never tested positive. They were just... Close contact quarantined. I believe they practiced today. They be safe and sorry. Yeah. Uh, now, on to more bad news. Three other players tested positive. All kind of random. Um, you know, Dante Pettis, and I don't really know who he's been around. Um, but uh, it tested- could be anything. I mean, yeah. it's for, for us even to, you know, sure. I mean, make they any guesses. They could have it separately, you know. For- yeah. Yeah. That's- I mean, Dante Pettis, he hasn't done shit yet anyway so that's no big loss but Matt Parrott and Caden Smith those are that's a bummer um Caden mm-hmm. Smith in particular is a integral part of the office Matt Parrott has been kind of coming in and you know good development and he can relieve Andrew Thomas if he's struggling he can relieve Cam- Cameron Fleming if he's struggling he can be a jumbo tight end if needed for for some running plays not if he's sick so I don't really know what's going on here the 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 protocols are very complicated. From what I understand, and I could be understanding it wrong, there are two different timetables. One if symptomatic and one if asymptomatic. Now, why are there two different timetables for that? I have no fucking idea. If you're sick, you're sick, even if you don't feel any symptoms. That's, I mean, I, but I'm not a scientist, so. I also think the league just went to more stricter protocols, too, like in the last week or so. So I think you're going to see more, you know, any signs of anybody testing or in contact you're going to see more of a lockdown for these players too so but I think the, the feeling is that Gano, Pear, Smith and Pettis will not play uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals now from what I understand that has been the extent of it 
this is all sort of old news that we're just wrapping up because we didn't have an episode. Um, so this isn't, you know, it doesn't seem to be rampant. This seems to be it, those four players, right? I didn't miss anything else. No, I think that's it for now, yeah. And then that kind of brings us into the big topic off off of the off week. Yeah, um, I guess basically Matt Pert will not be coached regardless if he plays or not, no longer by Mark Colombo. <laughs> yeah. So Mark Colombo was walked out of the Giants facility. Um, this is sort of a very – this has moved on from being what was initially a – you know, an in-season move, a bi-week move to like a high school level drama act of all the the, the, the timetable in which these things happened to, to the point where I don't really know why Giants fans need the minutia of, of all these things. It just seems very gossipy to me. But here is what, as I understand it, we know. Judge has unbeknownst to most of us this was not widely reported but mentioned actually by Mike Garofolo whom I miss on the Giants beat very much um, Joe Judge has been for weeks inserting his the majority of his attention at the offensive line you know we we praised the idea of a CEO style head coach who oversees and moves around as needed to where help is needed this is the benefit of that because a couple weeks ago, the offensive line played some of its worst games. And over time, they had some of their best games, whether they were wins or losses. Um, I believe it was the last three weeks. So that's one loss and two wins. Well, not only was you know the line playing poorly, Andrew Thomas was playing badly. And all of a sudden, and that narrative was starting up again. You know, you started to hear, you know, the whispers of Eric Flowers. And the last thing you need... and. You guys all know it. You watch a game on ESPN on Monday night or you watch uh, – you pick your broadcaster. When they get something in their head, they will say it over and over and over, whether it's relevant or not. So this is about narrative changing as much as it is actual performance on the field. Sure. Well, I mean I think one tends to follow the other. But regardless, technique corrections were offered specifically from what I could gather to Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates – that Mark Colombo didn't agree with. Um, and their relationship, Colombo and Judge, began to deteriorate, you know, involving arguments in meeting rooms. And, you know, to some extent, this kind of stuff is normal. You know, football is a competitive, compassionate game. Guys that have their arms around each other some days will be on the sidelines in the middle of a game screaming at each other. You know, it's it, oh, it, sure. just how it goes. So I think to some extent, this stuff was happening and nobody thought much of it. Um, regardless, Joe Judge reached out to Dave DiGuglielmo. I believe I said that right. Um, I think he did a good job with that. Yeah, thanks. nice work. Um, and he was set to come on board as an outside consultant to the team, hired to be an outside looking in. Where, like an analyst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that, I, in my opinion, was to get Joe Judge to ha- relief from folking focusing most of his attention to one position group so he could return to being a head coach and maybe address some other issues that were happening. That's my that's my theory. Colombo didn't agree with having somebody look over his shoulder. And and I think that there was some level of overlap between when it was agreed to with Goog when he was going to come in uh, and when Colombo was notified due to COVID protocols. I think in order to get him in as soon as possible so that he was ready to coach today, Monday, when they are allowed to coach, he had to have him hired like pretty quickly. And when Colombo found that out, there was a huge argument, something about the dirtiest word in the English language. Um, and then the next morning, it seemed that um, he was fired by security because higher-ups were like, we don't want this to escalate any further with you two arguing because apparently it was superheated. And then, so now Colombo is out. Goog is in. He is the full-time offensive line coach. I don't really care about any of the minutiae. If there were fists thrown, who I, I don't, ca- I don't well, see why well, it matters. But. Let, let's put it a little bit into perspective, too. We are not talking about the owner and the head coach. We are not talking about the head coach and the offensive coordinator. We're talking about, you know, 
we're talking about a position coach and I'm not minimizing the importance of a position coach, but a position coach is not the same weight that, you know, these other positions I just mentioned. I mean, that's for the fact they serve at the pleasure of the head coach. Now I, you know, I was under the impression that the position coach served under the pleasure of the coordinator who served under the pleasure of the head coach, but Apparently, you know, well, I think, I think the all way... coaches serve under the pleasure of. The well, coach. yeah, but yeah, but usually there's a, you know, a chain of command a little bit. You know, the if you're a if you're a sergeant in the police force, you know, there are levels before you get to the police chief. So, uh, you know, so again, I think this is this whole story is a little bit of an overblown situation. I mean, it, it to me, just the simple fact that Joe Judge was spending so much time basically helping the offensive coordinator or not helping him do his job, telling him how to do his job, telling him there was a problem. There's a problem to begin with already. It's one thing where it's like, I need all the assistance I can. This is I have five projects and, you know, but no, that's not the way it was presented. It was, I have recommendations of what I want to see done. And there was resistance being made to it. Uh, And, you know, at some point and Joe judge, one thing Joe Judge is doing, and this reminds me a lot of when Bill Parcells first started, that he's the boss. He's the head coach. If you hire me to be the head coach, I'm the head coach. Uh, think of Gene Hackman and Hoosiers. You know, it's my way. You know, uh, this, I, I, I have a specific way I do things. You hire me to do a task, I'm doing the task. So, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. If this team is still four and 12 in three years, Joe Judge will be out faster than shit to secretary. But, you know, what we're seeing now in the first 11 weeks of this is first year, a year we had no real offseason. You are seeing a team that, even though there's three wins, does not look like they do not belong on a football field. You are seeing organization. You're seeing, you know, Things like stupid penalties. You're seeing those held to a minimum. You're, you're seeing a team that seems like they know what they're doing and there's a plan with this team. So, you know, Joe Judge is the boss. And, you know, if these guys, if he doesn't think that everybody's aligned with him, fuck him. He's going to get rid of him. Now, he may, beat the, he may beat the shit out of you at the same time, but, you know, oh, well. So I have no problem with any of this happening. You know, none of these guys are entitled you know, for their position. This, position this is not a, su- Lumbo. This mean, not a Super Bowl team. This team sucks. But, but I mean, I mean let, let's, let's really think about Mark, Mark Colombo here and what his track record is. He's, I think you could argue he was a bust player. I mean, first round pick that was injured most of his career. He put, he had a couple good years in there, I guess. I mean, and then he, he gets two years to be the offensive line coach of, arguably the best offensive line in the league? Is that supposed to be, you know, a mark of a good coach? I mean, they were already filled with first-round picks on that line. They were already a good line. I mean, head coach's pedigree and what you really, you know, it, the bottom line is, do they win? Are they are they part of staffs to do anything? You know, you might be a great position coach. You might be a great offensive coordinator. You might be a great head coach. It doesn't matter. If you can't win, no one can. And, you know, he's been, he has been on staffs that, for the talent Dallas had for, you know, all those years, underachieved. Bottom line. So, you know, again, you, you get, you know, you earn your reputation in the league. You earn your pedigree. You earn your resume by what you do on the field. And nobody on this, and, and, and I'm including Jason Garrett, on this staff, has the right to, you know, do anything. But I know there's one person on that staff who has the final say. That is the head coach. And, you know, if, if he decided, you know, this is not working and, you know, he cut bait, fine, move on. You know, the, the results were mixed as it was to underachieving. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm going to save my opinions on the on the random hit piece uh, tw- Twitter thread from Mike Silver, which be, mainly because it just seemed like it was a mouthpiece for Mark Colombo. 
Uh, not that there's anything wrong with hearing two sides to a story. It just didn't feel like reporting, especially since halfway through we started talking about the the Patriots coaching tree and how that's been mostly a failure and whatever. So that, to me, felt like more opinion than fact. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it out there. Forget it. Um, I, I, you could probably guess my opinions of it anyway. But we can move into since you since you mentioned it, Jason Garrett and what this means. So Colombo seemed to be a package, not really a package deal, but more of a Jason Garrett sway in the in the interviews between Colombo and Goog way back before this all started, before before the season started, and it seemed that they were both pretty much they were close. Judge preferred Goog, but Jason Garrett said, "Let me bring in Colombo. He was working with me in Dallas. We we were already on the same page." And it seems like Judge kind of conceded that. But Jason Garrett was also didn't really feel like a Joe Judge hire in a lot of sense. It seemed very much more like a Mara hire. And I think that there is – this could be the sign – and we're not breaking any ground here. Other people have hypothesized this as well. But that this is a slow dismemberment of Jason Garrett from the coaching staff going forward. Um I'm not really sure how I feel about that. You know, Jason Garrett has been very up and down this year. He started out really slow. You know, we, we said that it doesn't look like the uh, the full playbook is out there. It also looks like, you know, that's a hard task with a young quarterback and no offseason getting him ready to play and an offensive line that's not very good getting them ready to play. There's not a lot of talent on the outside. He had a tough task. Any offensive coordinator we brought in would have a tough task. But they seem to be playing at a level now that I'm pretty comfortable with, with the talent they have. They're shortening games. They're leaning on the run game pretty well. They're starting to throw the ball downfield. They're starting to play action. They're they're leaning into that RPO. They're utilizing Daniel Jones' tools. I kind of like where we're going right now. If this season ends with them continuing to get better, I would kind of prefer to keep Jason Garrett and give Daniel Jones some level of continuity and not change him into a third I, offense in three years. I mean, to me, the only reason Jason Garrett wouldn't be back next year because of a, 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 a personality conflict with him and Joe Judge. That, that's, I mean, there's absolutely nothing that he's done, even in the beginning of the year. I mean, again, I was giving a tremendous amount of rope to these coaches about what happened this year. And, you know, it's almost impossible to have a guy come in, implement an entire new offense when you have Zoom calls with a a new quarterback and everything new. And, you know, of course it was going to be a learning curve. Of course, you know, and this team sucks. Again, we're we're not talking about, we're not, he didn't inherit Dak Prescott. He he didn't inherit, uh, you know, Alex Smith even. I mean, so I, I, I think for, the progression we're seeing with this offense, and again, this is not the uh, greatest show on turf. We, we get that. But this team, again, I said this earlier in the beginning of the show, you look at it from week 11 compared to where from week two is a totally different team right now. This is not one of the four worst teams in the league at this moment. And it's just, you know, it's just been developing as the year went along. So if Jason Garrett gets blown out this year, it's one of two things. One, he left on his own because he had another opportunity somewhere. Whether it's a head coaching job some, somewhere else, which I don't, I don't think. As everything we've seen this year has been, you know, things are on the positive, but I don't think, you know, he has if a track not, record from this season alone. Cares. Well, that's the thing. It's like it, 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 it's not such an amazing accomplishment where he's getting another head coaching job next year. So I don't think that's going to happen. Or, you know, Joe Judge might just be a bastard and maybe just you know hard to work with and. They just don't get along. And maybe Garrett's a dick. Who, who knows? Again, to your point, it seemed like Garrett was brought back in to be, you know, we're bringing him back, back into the family. He was an old Parcells guy. He, you know, he was an old backup way back when. And let's bring it, it. It did have a little whiff of that. Like if he wasn't, you know, and former ties with the Giants 15 years ago, he'd never be our offensive coordinator right now. So. Yeah, but, you know, I, I would like to keep him if things continue to get better. That said, there are much better offensive coordinators out there. So if he goes, I'm not going to shed any tears. I think it could really could go either way. And I actually think there's a third reason that he might not be here next year is that they just flame out. You know I mean? Th- this offense is not 
they're playing well now. They have been playing well for weeks. These long drives didn't end in seven points, and that's why they were losing some games. You know, but if they if they just start to fall apart, if if they if it really feels like the offense just isn't working, he doesn't seem to have a knack for play calling like maybe we thought. You know, it's been a small sample. It's been ten games. You know, we really don't know. Mm. So if by the end of the season we just see a nosedive here, I think there's a chance he just gets fired. I mean, well, absolutely. It's possible, but to me, a nosedive would happen more likely because we have a rash of COVID. Somebody gets hurt. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's more or less likely, but you know, he's still he's still doing wacky things at this time. You know, I mean, I, at the beginning of the year, I don't know what the fuck he had. He had some dumb route combinations happening. You know, we're we're third and eight, and we're running four yard out routes. I don't know what that's supposed to accomplish. You know, there was some bullshit going on at the beginning of the year that seems to be mostly cleaned up. But he's still doing these wacky jet reverses in the red zone, and I don't understand why we're doing it. And you know, some of our stuff is just real obvious. There's a what I'm saying is there's a chance for it to nosedive. I, I think there's a lot of improvising on this offense because, again, we don't have a real running game. And I know the running game is getting better than it was, but yeah. well, we're mean, in the red zone. We're, we're running Alfred Morris back there. so Yeah, I mean, so I think he's, you know, they're going to throw the kitchen sink out to do whatever they can to get any kind of a, a, advantage at all. So I, I, to me, to me, none of this is fireable. None of this is even... Not right now. Even, no. I agree. Even at, this, even at discussion point, even if this team... Ends up winning four or five games this year. To me, it's I think enough has been done, and and for no other reason. To your other point, continuality. Yeah, we got to we. If, if you really want to make a commitment to Daniel Jones, maybe you just have to suck it up for another year with a, a not a, non optimal. I mean, we've already established this is not a horrible offense. It's not a horrible design offense. It's not a horrible play calling. It, you know. It, 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 it's, a, it's a victim of its circumstance with the, the, the talent that it has and everything else. So to me, it's certainly enough to keep another year just for that continued year of let's get Daniel Jones one fucking year of an offseason where he can you know, go in knowing he's a starter, he can do everything, and away we go. Just real quick, we're not going to get super into this, but uh, this brings us around to where do you see Dave Gettleman at the end of this year, just based on what we've seen so far this year? Back. I think I'm going to agree I, with that. Yeah. I mean, again, nothing is nosediving this year where things aren't working. I mean, I think that overall, I think we're happy with the with the uh, Joe Judge hire. I think that you know Andrew Thomas has had a rough start, but I think he's you know he's calming down. He'll be fine. Uh, I think all the the the, uh, the coaching hires have been pretty good. You know, the, the Colombo one sounds like it's wonky but you know i don't think it's because of a bad you know all the things that are the all the uh the headlines for why you get get rid of gettleman don't really seem to apply this year i Leonard williams yeah most most of the strikes against him are going back to around the time when he was hired in my opinion yeah i mean Leonard williams is playing great this year and they'll figure out some way to sign him probably uh you know I don't know. I, I just there's not there's nothing for me to say. You have to blow them out, and if there's no reason to say you have to blow them out, why blow them out? So I think he'll be back. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to agree. I I thought much earlier in the year. I think it was right after that San Francisco game where I was like, he's gone. I mean, that was an embarrassing performance, and I know that a GM's job doesn't hinge on a singular performance or or anything you know in season like that. But at the same time, it was such a bad performance, and it seemed to be getting worse as the year was getting going forward. Yeah, that, no, that I was he, like, I don't. My my thinking was, if this is going to continue, there's no way for him to stay. If they keep playing yeah, like see, they played, but they haven't. That was that is the anomaly in the year. That Despite was a blip, the yeah, record I, and all this other stuff. Every other game has been about a one score difference, and the last couple weeks, you know, where they had losses was like. Less than five, less than three points in three games. Every, I mean, if they win those three games, we are a six-win team. Everybody lays a turd at least once a year. And, you know, again, it started with week one, the Pittsburgh game. We hung around. And guess what? That team's undefeated right now. And we had a shot. We had a, I mean, I, I, to me, there are certain embarrassing games where it's like you have to go. You remember that uh, that game against the Rams? I think it was 2000. 
2017, we played out in, um, we just got our asses kicked and it was ridiculous. Uh, I'm not sure. I remember, yeah, I, mean, I remember the Jacksonville game in like mm-hmm. 2012 or 2013 or something right. like that. Yeah. There are statement games where it's like, okay, this is the culmination of shit's rolling downhill. Here we are. And that never felt like that. It just felt like a, you know, again, we all knew the situation we were in early. Now, if that game happens later in the season, that's a little something, but it's not building up to anything. And that game never did. So, Yeah, I agree. I think Dave Gettleman is back this, this coming year. Agree with it or, or love him or hate him. I, I just prepare yourself because I think he's coming back. Or he retires. Yeah, and again. At his age and his health, that is always on the table. Mid-season, end-of-season, that, that his retirement is always going to be it, on the table. If you put a gun to my head right now, the three options in the order of probability, number three, he gets fired. Number two, he's back. Number one, he retires. That would be my guess. But you know, And if he retires, it's because of health. It's, it's nothing else to do with anything else. So, so that's going to do it for us. We will have an episode for you Friday morning. Uh, for your for your wonderful Black Friday post Thanksgiving full belly, um, all about the Cincinnati game. So be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it, wherever. Uh, make sure you follow us. So that's in your queue in the morning, and you're not all disoriented from your day off. Or if you're working retail, God help you. Um, in the interim, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. I am pretty much strictly giant stuff, so I'll be. Probably drunk and live tweeting throughout Thanksgiving games. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan, where, you know, obviously we have the Giants, but we also have has just released in the last 30 seconds your number six ranked college football playoff, Florida Gator football, the game against Kentucky this weekend. Um, so you'll be hearing a lot about me for, you know, Gators and Giants this weekend. And, uh, Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Yeah. Have, a, have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. And uh, we will see you all Friday morning. So as always, go, go Giants. Giants.